Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Homicide, one male, one female. Killer's male, white, 40. Set up a perimeter and tell them we're en route. I'm placing you under arrest for the future murder of Sarah Marks. Give the man his hand. The future can be seen. All we have to run on are the images that they produce. We see what they see. There hasn't been a murder in six years. There's nothing wrong with the system. It is perfect. I agree. Murder can be stopped. Exactly what it is you're looking for. Flaws. You ever get any false positives? We are arresting individuals who have broken no law. But they will. The fact that you prevent it from happening doesn't change the fact that it was going to happen. The system can't be wrong. You say something to you? No. You're in a lot of trouble, John. I have a warrant in my pocket that says murder. Don't run. You don't have to chase me. Hey there, and welcome to Rewatchability, where the podcast where we rewatch old movies and TV shows to see how they hold up in the modern eye. My name is Blaine Waters. With me, as always, is... You know what I'm going to say. <laughs> Before you even say it. You're Robert Larone, and I know that only because you were about to say it. Yeah. And I can read the future. Whoa, my mind's blown! <laughs> when I said the modern eye bit, I was like... Very apropos for this movie. Yeah, that's right. Little, All about surveillance and the panopticon. And, and there's a lot of eyes. A lot of eyes. It's just, they're just flinging around eyeballs willy-nilly. Oh, yeah. Like Tom Cruise has extra eyes at one point. <laughs> that's what you want for Tom Cruise, watching it twice. We are going to get into the movie. But before that, we just wanted to thank the people that support us on Patreon. Thank you so much mm-hmm. for giving one, three, five dollars a month to get the podcast early, to get bonus episodes. Yeah. And save our lives. Yeah. And there's a podcast coming up where someone's someone's given us a, a pledge on Patreon to do a movie that they wanted to see. Really? So, we'll just do whatever movie somebody wants us to do if they just give us money? Uh, it's it's a little bit insane. But what a bunch of sellouts. <laughs> Yeah, man. We used to be we used to be cool, man. We used to be pure. We <laughs> used to be able to the movies. Uh, if you want to help us sell out, you can go to patreon.com slash rewatchability and donate there. And it have really your helps. Say. Yeah, it really helps. This uh, is democracy. You have to buy your voice. <laughs> um, and if you can't uh, if you can't Howard Schultz, man. <laughs> what movie do you want us to watch? President Pumpkin Spice? <laughs> That's his new name. I like that name. I like that name a lot. If you can't give on Patreon, what really helps us is going to Apple Podcasts and rating us mm-hmm. or wherever you listen to your podcasts. And if you like podcasts in general, just tell a friend about them because I think a lot of people don't know how to download them, you know. 
Like my no, grandmother? That's, that's, that's not. Grandmas are not listening to our podcast. <laughs> you're chasing after the wrong demographic. And frankly, I have questions why you're going after that demographic. I just, I think our ad dollar is being misspent. <laughs> <laughs> just tell your millennial friends. <laughs> about the podcast. When you're talking about your millennial woes, how you live in a tiny cardboard box and you have giant student loan bills, just be like one thing that eases my mind is an episode of rewatchability. Where they never bring those things up. We never bring up your problems. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the movie. We are doing Minority Report this week. Yes. This is a, it's a big movie. I knew it. It's, <laughs> it's a huge movie. Steven Spielberg. Mm-hmm. Tom Cruise runs. Does he? A little bit. I didn't. Everybody runs. I must have missed that. But part. especially Tom Cruise. This came out in the early 2000s. It's a big, big deal. Big deal. And uh, when did you first see this, Rob? I saw it a little bit later, I think, on the movie network. I'm not actually sure if I saw the whole movie from beginning to end, but I do remember specifically the parts where Tom Cruise's eyes get taken out. <laughs> Like, Tom Cruise is in pain. I'll remember this. Yeah, I sort of like that part. I like all the parts where Tom Cruise is, like, that part where he eats the moldy sandwich. I'm like, ha ha! That's for Scientology. It's just like Ashton Kutcher's prank show on Tom Cruise. Yeah. <laughs> you just want to see that. Yeah. So, I mean, this movie never really had a big impact on me. I liked what I, I mean, I don't know. I guess I didn't like what I saw. I never really. It didn't stick with you. I don't love Tom Cruise. I so, am one of those people who. If there's a movie with Tom Cruise in it coming out, I usually just dismiss it outright. <laughs> right. I know that he's very charismatic. He's very good at running. He'll do all those stunts that no other actor will do. He'll break his ankle just for a stunt. He'll do anything because Xenu is going to heal him at the end of his life. <laughs> yeah, he has to get rid of his metachlorians or whatever they are. The only way is by him. jumping out of airplanes. <laughs> I know. So I sort of dismissed it, though I do right. like Philip K. Dick type stories and especially like the adaptations as well. You know, of course, there's like Blade Runner and Through the Scanner Darkly. So I'm interested in like how those stories get brought to the screen. But for some reason, this didn't make a huge impact on me. Mm-hmm. I don't even know why we're even talking about it. Because it's an awesome movie, or at least that's what I thought before we rewatched it. But we'll get into whether I still think that later. Okay, so but, when was the first time that you saw Minority Report? I saw it in theaters. I loved it. I thought it was such a good blend of action and right. and thri- sci-fi and sci-fi and thriller mystery. It was, it was so many like genres in Cruise. one movie. <laughs> cruise, the cruise genre is yeah. one of my favorites. So I, I loved it for all those reasons. I thought Steven Spielberg taking this on was really great. You know what? He is a good director. He, he is you know, okay. I, th- I think he's going to be a big deal. I think it's going to be something. He's going to make yeah. something of himself. Unless he does War of the Worlds after this, then I don't know. Oh, that's right. That was also with Tom Cruise. That was also with Tom Cruise. Did they have like a little streak going? Did they make other movies together? I can't remember. I think that was those were only two. Yeah, but one. This one's way better than the, the the War of the Worlds. Like the two Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise sci-fi movies. This one has to have a leg up. Well, we'll have to do War of the Worlds next week. I don't want to do. Was that, that like movie. a tripod alien joke? Like leg up? Like because right. the aliens and have then leg. they'd fall over if they had a leg up. <laughs> yeah, what was it in the not another scary? There was like a giant iPod or something. They were the iPods that. Anyway, that's stupid. <laughs> so I really like this movie. I saw it again and again. I got it on DVD when the DVD came out. Right. I wow. I I loved it. 
You played it over and over again, like just an in echo, the, like just, deja vu. Like, like the echo, yeah. And I murdered someone in that echo. It was, it was great. You had to rewatch this movie over and over again because you were trying to figure out how to change your future. <laughs> My future was just watching it one more time. It was a horrible future. How do I get out of this cycle? <laughs> and you still haven't escaped. No, this whole podcast is just bringing me back. So I did love it at the time, and I thought Tom Cruise did a great job. I liked Colin Farrell. Interesting. I liked everyone in this movie. I thought they did a fantastic job. So let's get into the plot of this movie. It is a twisty, turny, thriller, mystery plot. There's a lot going on. There is a lot going on. It is a long movie. It's like two and a half hours long. It's so long. I wish I could have precogged that before I agreed to talk about it. <laughs> you, could have, you could have just gone to IMDb. No, 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 you don't no, need no. to be a precog. Precog. You just look on the DVD box. That's the problem with the future. Like, once we get psychic powers or any sort of precognitive abilities, we are not going to look up shit. We're going to be lazy motherfuckers. <laughs> it's so true. No one's going to have, like, kids anymore. They're going to look and they're going to be like, oh, that looks yeah. like too much work. They're going to turn out like jerks. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe we shouldn't have sex tonight. <laughs> I just have a bad feeling. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> this movie, it starts in the future. It's the year 2054. That is, what, 35 years from now? Is that how time works? Yeah, it's another lifetime from now. Oh, my God. Can you imagine? Like, so... Because 35 years is like, that's a, that's a generation, right? Yeah. It's every 35 years. So that's one generation from right now. What was 35 years from now in the past? Just so we can see... Oh, yeah, shit. I'm like almost 35 years old. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I was 83. It was the year we were <laughs> if I had precognition, I wouldn't have to do math. <laughs> you still have to do. I nope. don't think you understand what precognition is. <laughs> it's not just you're a calculator. <laughs> well, <laughs> the future will figure it out for me. <laughs> you just rely on that. You just fall back onto your precognition. So obviously a lot has changed in the world by 2054. Mm -hmm. The judicial system has been entirely scrapped and sort of replaced with this new system called pre-crime. So basically – But only in D.C. Yeah. Washington, D.C. Right. It's like a test pilot program. Yeah, that's important. Mm -hmm. So Tom Cruise, he plays one of these precog cops. Mm -hmm. And basically the system has been sort of boiled down to this. There's a bunch of naked people in a bathtub. <laughs> they have a strange vision. And then Tom Cruise reads a wooden pool ball and goes and stops this crime. It's like Salvador Dali's future. It's like, what's going on? Like, time doesn't even exist. The clocks are melting. These people are in a bathtub. Well, I mean, it's a bit crazy. He's reading furniture cutoffs. It's just like the weirdest thing. The beginning of the movie is just these flashes of images that we later learn that the precogs see. We see, like, some making out, and then we see, like, this person with scissors stabbing somebody. And then we see that this is a precognition that Tom Cruise, as the cop, will have to prevent from happening. Mm -hmm. Because in this future, if the precogs precog it... <laughs> Allow myself to introduce myself. <laughs> <laughs> then it's like considered a certainty. Like it absolutely right. will happen. Yeah. It's, that is as good as it Their having happened. Their is, report is watertight. And then uh, there's no minority reports. There's just this. Well, yeah. Not yet. No. Okay. I mean, you introduced the term. And now, now I have to explain what it is. I, th I think we should just get it out of the way. 
It's one of the precogs seeing something different, like a different future than the other precogs. Yeah. But that doesn't really factor in at this point in the story. It's the title. It's the title. It's like the weird it's, – it's, I don't know. It's weird because it doesn't factor in until so long into the story that you wonder what this title means at all for so long while you're watching this Right. Movie. You're like, OK, I'm watching the movie. We're an hour in. Haven't seen any minorities really. <laughs> There's just one There's black one guy. dude. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Is he the reporter? <laughs> I don't understand. He's the guy who has to f- do this whole minority report. <laughs> He's like, yeah, I'm surrounded by white people. Yeah. <laughs> Yet <F>. again. Yeah. <laughs> I'm in another Hollywood film. <laughs> That's Yeah. Anyway. So they go and they stop this crime from happening. It's a crime of passion. It's like really down to the wire because like the precogs apparently they get about 36 hours for premeditated crimes, but mm-hmm. crimes of passion where somebody just, you know, discovers that their wife is sleeping with some other creepy dude. <laughs> And then decides Hangs to kill him. Parks, yeah. That's like more of like a twenty-minute thing. Yeah, you need longer than that. Like pizzas can't even be delivered in twenty minutes. No. Like what just... happens if they don't get there and prevent the crime from happening? Do they get their pizza free? And they <laughs> they must have not because because it's twenty minutes. But the whole everyone's saying like there hasn't been a murder since we instituted this. It's like you're twenty minutes to solve every murder of passion, and you did it, and your whole system is fucked. Like it takes a, a long time for like your laser to engrave in a wooden ball yeah. the name of the per. Just have it come up on a screen. Yeah. Like what do you do? It like there's easier ways to do, and they're like transferring things on on little glass like iPods to put into other computers. Just use the internet. <laughs> Like we had the internet it's in 2054. Yeah. <laughs> but this is this like movie was made. You know, in 2033 they would have used the internet. <laughs> but in 2054. In 2054 physical media is all the rage and they're doing things old style like old-timey wooden balls with things engraved on them. They're like the millennials of 2054. Like, this old record player is how we're going to, like, communicate now. I'm going to record on the wax, and you're going to listen to my... Yeah. That's how we record. There was some sort of explainer on, like, what was pool? And they were like, it was these balls that we now use to solve crime. <laughs> well, yeah, he talked about the billiard balls. Does he? Yeah, at one point, and this to describe, like, that every action has a... Opposite, right? Know, yeah. The, yeah. Anyway, there's a whole bunch of philosophy and Definitely. sort of time determinism things mm-hmm. stuff sort of threaded under this movie. But we have to talk about Colin Farrell, who plays a regular sort of cop. Yeah, a cop that chews a lot. You know, he's doing the the most chew acting I've ever seen. He's a classic cop. <laughs> he chews things. He's skeptical and a dick about everything. He pretends not to understand technology or whatever. He touches everything he talks about in this movie. Like, if he doesn't touch it, it's not real. He'll, like, knock on the glass and be like, hey, these precogs, like, they're goldfish. <laughs> like, has, uh, it's, it's They are kind of like goldfish. <laughs> they are. I can sort of understand his urge to reach out and touch the precogs because it's freaky and weird and don't you want to kind of just help them be like you guys got to get out of that tub you're going to be wrinkly as shit <laughs> i know they they treat human bodies like they're books that you can put on a shelf in this movie because that's what the murderers go they go to this like underground prison where they just stand up with a halo in quotes around their head and they just stand like their bodies are going to wither away and die people have been there for years 
I'm assuming they have a system. They can't explain everything about the future, like how they exercise their muscles through like electro stimulation or something like right. that. Right. But why aren't why aren't the the precogs get out of the pool and like get to I don't know. Go for a bike ride or something. They're just always in the... They're going to turn into a prune. They're going to, like, melt away. Tell me how... They're sleeping. Sorry. Tell me how all this works. The photon milk acts as both a nutrient supply and a liquid conductor. It enhances the images that each of them receive. We call the female Agatha. The twins are Arthur and Dash. We scan by way of optical tomography... White light pinpoints pulse along the entire length of the headgear and are reread after absorption through their brain tissue. In other words, we see what they see. We do have to like question, like, who are these precogs? Where do they come from? And they sort of explain that later. That's part of the mystery, yeah. Believe it or not, these people did not just volunteer. <laughs> I mean, it seems like a pretty cool gig just to, like, be in a spa the entire day. And yeah. then have one traumatic experience. I don't know if it's worth the whole day at the spa to, like, live a murder. It's like the worst kind of separate depriva- deprivation chamber. Oh, my <laughs> you God. Yeah. Have like, you ever done one of those? No, I haven't because I don't want to see any murders. <laughs> <laughs> I did one and it was, like, the worst experience. Oh, really? Yeah, because the water is so salty and you can't see anything. And so trying to get out... And it's so hot in there. And so trying to get out to, like, breathe again, it, my arm dripped salt water into my eyes and I was slipping around because it's, like, so slippery. Yeah. It, it was it was awful. That doesn't sound fun. I know no. people who have done it and— it's supposed to be so zen. —and enjoy it and have felt, like, benefits from it. I enjoy a long bath. Right. I don't need to have any weird visions or anything. <laughs> no, visions in the bath. But Tom Cruise, while he's down there showing Colin Farrell the precogs, one of them— sort of grabs him yeah, and says, did you see? <laughs> and every Tom Cruise, like Vanilla Sky, they're like, open your eyes. They're just trying <laughs> to get Tom Cruise to quit Scientology. <laughs> they're like, how many movie metaphors do we have to make? Just open your goddamn eyes, Tom Cruise. <laughs> did you see Org? what happened to David Miscavige's wife? <laughs> did you see Org? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Get the fuck out of there. Just run away. Everybody yeah. runs. And then that's just before there's another precog thing and he is doing his like, you know, shifty images sort of thing. The way that he is sort of sifting through these images is really interesting because he's like trying to like interpret them and sort of figure out where this crime is taking place. And it's almost like the conversation. Yeah. Gotta like interpret it. Am I hearing this right? Am I seeing this? Is yeah. that from that angle? Yeah, it's almost like directing the whole thing with his fingers. Is like three glowing yeah. digits. Yeah. But he sees that he himself is going to kill somebody. Yeah. He's the person in the vision, and he does not hide it well. <laughs> He's like a kid with his hand caught in the cookie jar. He's like, yeah. no, I didn't. <laughs> well, his, his <laughs> football. The, our poor minority reporter turns around and is like, Hey, what was that on the screen? He's like, he just shunts it out of the way. You know, you should uh, go get some cake for me. That's literally what he says. I think somebody was eating cake in the break room. Can you go get some? 
Yeah, can you get cake. some cake? I didn't see any cake. Oh, it's Susan's break. last day. There was some cake. Yeah, yeah. Just give me the fucking cake. It's like he clears off his whole desk, though. He's like, no, I wasn't watching porn. Please just uh, leave me alone for right now so I can exit all the windows. That's exactly what he did for that poor guy. We've all been there. I know. And We've then... all seen ourselves murdering somebody quickly. <laughs> it's just you click on one tab and you see yourself murdering someone and it's horrible. Yeah. The internet is a dark place. The internet's a dark place. <laughs> And the people, there's judges watching that are like, hey, was that you? Murder? And he just like clicks off the TV. <laughs> it's just, he's the worst at explaining away. And yeah, he's not very smooth. No, he's not very smooth. So he has to go on the run. But he, he, and, and one of my favorite moments in this movie was that Colin Farrell and him are in the elevator and he has a gun and he goes up to Colin Farrell and Colin Farrell's like, you're not going to kill me because there's no red ball. There's no crime of passion happening and we always know when murders are going to happen. And then the alarm sounds. It's just such a, such a good, like, <laughs> <laughs> and Colin Farrell's face drops. It's, yeah, it's a it's a great little moment. But he's on the run. He's out of there, and he we get like a bunch of action scenes all in a row. Yeah, and this is also where we get to see the world of the future. Mm-hmm. This is a hellish dystopia. Let me tell you all about it. Advertisers will market directly to you. <laughs> it's really they awful. will know the things that you like. They will know your name and information. They may know the things that you have purchased already, and then they will target these advertisements to you so that you can't avoid them. It is like the world is now. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) With Target and Amazon. (laughs) I mean, the whole advertising thing came out of one of the writer's experiences with Amazon. They just suggest books to him over and over again on what he read. Really? That's what happened to Philip K. Dick? (laughs) (laughs) No, one of the writers of the screenplay. (laughs) Was Amazon a thing in 2002? Yes, it was. It came out, I think it it was a company in 1999 or 1998. Really? Yeah. It took a long time to like become the company is now. Wow. Yeah. That's crazy. I know. It's been so long. (laughs) Yes, it has been, but it's bringing us the future. Yeah. The horrible future of advertising. (laughs) (laughs) But the future is full of more flexible people, too. Like what? uh, Because the yogis that he, he jumps off a car, these cars that are like, can drive on the side of buildings. In oh, the yeah. Future. That's pretty neat, though. It does look like Tom Cruise has dropped into an episode of Reboot. The <laughs> CG is so, yeah. so primitive. It is, it is pretty primitive. It doesn't help that there's such a lot of detail loss on the screen with the process they used to develop the film. Right. The bleach bypassing or whatever. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. Everything sort of has this white aura to it. Yeah. It's because the bleaching usually takes out the silver from the halides in the film. I looked this up, and and they didn't do that. They didn't take out the silver. So what's film? <laughs> we don't have film anymore. <laughs> Only Christopher Nolan shoots in that arcane <laughs> medium. Going back to the product placement, this movie is both criticizing that and also participating in it. You can't, pretty hardcore. You, you can't help but participate in the things you're criticizing, like. I feel like in this movie, especially because they're like, oh, we want to criticize. Wait, are you saying we're Minority Report? (laughs) I'm saying you should have already known that. You already knew the answer when you walked in here. Oh, my God, I did. (laughs) Uh, But because you can't say like, oh, these ads are all in our face and Coke is everywhere, Pepsi is everywhere, Nokia, Mm -hmm. everyone has Nokia. But like without 
having those products. He can't walk into a into a store without being advertised to and not be Gap, not be something. Like For sure. But there is an extended scene in a automotive factory. Yes. And then he sort of drives out of there on like a backwards facing Lexus. Yeah. Yeah. We'll talk about that later. Yeah. That's a bit weird. <laughs> like that's a little bit like – and then I read – I hope I'm not spoiling your trivia or you anything. totally are but – I read that Steven Spielberg – demanded a Lexus as part of that deal. So he basically got a car to like put this scene in where they show off the brand new car. <laughs> yeah, I take your perks where you can get them. I mean, I'm not saying that Steven Spielberg has been very subtle about this in the past, Reese's Pieces. <laughs> but this is a bit much. Star Wars sheets. I'm starting to wonder whether Jaws was the name of a product. <laughs> Yeah, well, they started using the Jaws of Life a lot more after yeah. that movie came out. Yeah, no? yeah. <laughs> so he escapes the car plant, and he goes to the creator of the of the whole precog program. Yeah, and that, she tells him about the whole minority report situation. She is, she is Poison Ivy's mother, I think. She she has all these plants that like poison people, and they move on their own. And right, it's very weird. Yeah. And her acting, the way she's directed to act is so crazy and weird and just left of normal that it almost seems like she's acting bad. Like it's not great acting, but well, there's some, it's also cool. Ah, it's hard to describe. There's some weird and stylistic acting to this because we also haven't talked about Buster Scruggs, mm. Tim Blake Nelson, who plays the paraplegic – Warden, warden yeah. of this e-prison or whatever it is. <laughs> right, yeah. Standing room only. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and he just like... Which kind of is about the future too because we're getting there, especially in Ontario. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Yeah. But he's, he like plays the organ, talks in this like stilted... I mean, he talks exactly like Buster Scruggs. <laughs> it's so... His, his whole thing, you're part of my collection now. It's so weird. Like, he's always receding into the background every time he's talking. Yeah. It's like he has permanent Doppler effect on his voice. It's such a weird thing. But I sort of like that, and I like that this world is inhabited by these sort of oddball characters. Yeah. And people who don't seem normal because the future has twisted them. Yeah. It's made them all a little bit weird. Yeah. But... So Tom Cruise, he has to do all this stuff so he doesn't get detected. He has to get his eyes swapped out by yeah. Peter Stormare. Well, because it kind of turns into a heist movie because he has to steal a precog. Yeah. We've all been there. We've so all, we all understand. been there. It's difficult. Yeah. You have, to, you have to get your eyes cut out by Peter Stormare. Yeah. And this is another thing that the movie has, like, predicted because there's, like, retinal scanning and things now, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. On our – like, on iPhones, it's uh, face recognition. Yeah. Like – Open it. That's pretty fucked up. Yeah. Now, yeah. in the very near future, if you commit a crime, you're going to have to take off your face. <laughs> and then you'll either be John Travolta or Nicolas Cage. There was a movie Cage. about that. <laughs> <laughs> but pattern recognition, I mean, we're, we're, I was going to talk about this in behind the scenes too, but it's being used now, the facial recognition in cities in China, in cities in the States. Oh, my and God. San Francisco just – table to law that was like, hey, maybe we should not allow this within city limits. And I'm all for that. Me too. Maybe a person will get murdered with, that didn't have to get murdered and that's horrible. This is, this is a huge privacy issue. It's it's hard to fight the future in terms of like, this will save lives. You're just afraid also... of precog seeing you naked. 
<laughs> I just want precogs off my internet history. That would be great. <laughs> precogs don't watch me in my bathroom time. <laughs> it's the only time I get to myself. <laughs> Lanes only. <laughs> okay, so Tom Cruise. We also forgot to mention his major motivating factor in being part of this pre-crime thing is that his kid was abducted and presumably murdered. Yeah. And then at one point, the crime that he is supposed to have committed once he sort of goes and ends up trying to prevent that crime and then realizes that he's sort of being locked into the moment. Yeah. It's because he thinks or it's made out so that that guy is supposed to be the guy who killed his child. And his child was killed conveniently six months before pre-crime rolled out so if it if if we'd only had this pre-crime then tom cruise yeah his family would be whole his life would be complete and he wouldn't in fact need to be the pre-crime super soldier that he is well and and that's what's so great about the the writing of his character in this is because he's the ultimate person that bought in to the pre-crime. He's, yeah. he's like the biggest champion of pre-crime and he has to become the biggest skeptic of it. Yeah. So that's, that's a really cool character journey that we're taking on with this character. Yeah. Wall screen. Sean. Hi, Daddy. <laughs> Can you teach me how to run faster? Because all the kids at my class run faster than me. No. Good, eh? Look, k- keep your knees, knees up. up like that. Good. Like that. Like that. Like that. High, high, like that. Like that. See, you're a natural runner. Gotta keep running. Gotta keep running. Gotta keep running. Gotta keep running. Will I be as fast as you someday? Oh, I think you'll beat me someday. You're gonna beat everybody. I think you'll beat everyone someday. Yeah. Though it is a it's a pretty standard trope in these sort of sci-fi movies. It's the same thing as Running Man, which we talked about a few weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Arnold Schwarzenegger is the guy who's like willing to go shoot everybody and enforce the oppressive laws of the system. But as soon as the system gets turned against him, then he's like, yeah. Hey, maybe it's wrong. <laughs> Yeah. Oh, white men. (laughs) Jesus. I can't see the wrongness of the system until it happens to me. Yeah, yeah. Thankfully, we don't live in a world where there is any wrongness in the system. Right? The system's just so perfect. It all works well. For everybody. Yeah. God. Everybody in jail is supposed to be there. (laughs) But he finds out that this guy didn't kill his kid. No, it's a setup. It's a setup. And so now he has to go after the man behind the setup, the man that killed the precog's family. Yeah. Mother. who could be the bad guy in this movie? Oh, let me think. Could it be Max von Sydow? (laughs) As soon as you see Max von Sydow, you're like, "Mm." hmm. He's the guy. That's the guy. Use your precog. That's the guy who is going to do it the whole time. I mean, you don't even need to use precog because it's Max von Sydow. It's Ming the Merciless. <laughs> just yeah, just look on the casting sheet, and there, there you go. That's the guy. No, no need for detective work in this. No, but he he kills the Colin Farrell character to keep his secret. Yeah, well, he's the father of pre-crime. It was mm-hmm. all his sort of thing. His name's Lamar, and it's his pet project. Tom Cruise kind of like at the end entraps him 
by putting the visions that the precogs are having about Max von Sydow killing him on the balcony up on the screen for everyone to see. Yeah, and then he has to decide whether to kill Tom Cruise, proving that pre-crime works, and then he'll go to jail, or not kill him, proving that pre-crime doesn't work. But he chooses the worst option. He proves that pre-crime is is wrong, which is his whole raison d'etre is that pre-crime is like a good thing. And it has been. There's just these minority reports. Mm-hmm. So maybe they could just when the minority report comes up, be like, hey, just maybe not arrest this guy or like maybe just arrest them. But then they have to stand trial instead of just putting them Wait, in jail. What is this trial that you're talking about? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they could do that. But instead, he disproves that it works. And instead of going to jail, he just fucking shoots himself. So there's no, it, I he just chose the wrong end of both options. It's like I'm not going to go to the jail and get out. I'm just going to die, and I'm going to take my whole life's work down with me. Yeah. It seems like the stupidest thing to do. Well, yeah, it's a lose lose situation. He could shoot Tom Cruise, keep the whole pre crime thing going, and then just get haloed and come out in like forty years after his sentences. Yeah, but he, I bet he's pretty confident that he can beat that chess game with death. <laughs> so, you know, right. it's actually yeah. it's actually an easy way out for him. Okay, okay. <laughs> he's like, I got this. <laughs> That's great. That's great. I like that. And then Tom Cruise gets back with his wife and they start a new family again. What was with that? That's another thing that I'm like, that's so stupid because the entire movie, she tells Colin Farrell, she tells Tom Cruise, every time I see my husband, I only see my child. And like every time I smell him, I smell my child. I cannot be near him because all it reminds me of is my child. And at the end of the movie, she's fucking pregnant again with Tom Cruise's baby. I was like, why you wouldn't? You'd just be like, you're also, you killed some people and you might have, and you did a lot of illegal things running away from those cops. Like, you assaulted a lot of cops, a lot of destruction of property, yeah. <laughs> kidnapped someone against their will. Well, I think that the whole experience is supposed to have been healing for her. Like, yeah. I think holding on to her grief over her son, there it was... wasn't Tom Cruise's fault. There is this scene where we see him at the pool, they're going swimming. And then he's trying to see how long he can hold his breath underwater. And right. that's when somebody takes his kid. And then that is also comes back later when he's in the chilly bathtub. Yeah, yeah. Like, how long can you hold your breath? Yeah, yeah, for sure. But yeah, I mean, so I, I kind of like that she is healed by something because it's, yeah. you know, that sort of trauma is, uh, is sucky. Yeah, yeah, to put it mildly. I think it's like I also forgot that the precog Agatha uh, does kind of tell them what their son's life would have been like if he didn't die. Right. And that's so weird. It's it's weird, but it is it is a release of their holding on to the PTSD of losing their kid. You know, it is a kind right. of release of that. Like the the mother at one point is like plugging her ears, but then she slowly takes her hands down. Yeah, because uh, it is painful to hear. But the whole thing is ended Just very sadly. Don't don't try that shit for people who have lost a loved one. Be like, you know, right now they'd be like, you know, serving hamburgers at the A and W. <laughs> Why would you choose that future for their for oh god. What? Like we believe how about, how about you never do that for anyone that's that's gone through that, Rob? Jesus. She's just telling them what she wants them to hear. Oh, your kid's gonna be a rocket scientist and he's gonna be so happy. No, man, he's gonna have 
the same mediocre future as the rest of us. It's A&W for him. Yeah. Never going to own a home. Going to work in the gig economy forever. It's a oh millennial. Yeah, your kid's probably going to do a lot of Uber and Fudora deliveries. <laughs> oh, my God. Honestly, it's better that he died because it's getting rough. Well, she kind of does that the whole end of the thing. She's like, and he's a track star, and he's running, and you're watching him run, and he can run so much faster than you, John. Now you're making it awful. And and then and then she's like, and now he's six again, and he can't run as fast as he could when he was 24, and he can't outrun the man that murders him. And it's like, why end your whole nice speech that way? Yeah. It was, <laughs> you, like, tried to help this family, and then you're like, oh, yeah, but remember, he's dead. Like, uh, don't uh, don't try to let go of him. He's fucking dead. Also, what if Tom Cruise was not a great dad all the time? It's like, yeah, <laughs> you guys got in a fight, and he ran away from home, and you guys didn't speak for six years. Right, and, yeah, uh, yeah. then he joined the military, and he died in uh, oh, the War of Winnipeg. <laughs> it was a war against <laughs> the cold. You never spoke again. Happy? <laughs> <laughs> It kind of worked out better this way, guys. I'm sorry to admit. Yeah, yeah. but she she gets back. She becomes a precog again. Then John gets let, let. Anyway, yeah, he kind of solves the whole thing. But they never solve the crime of his son going missing. They never solve who did that in the movie. No, that's and I right. remember them doing that. Like trying to remember like what I what I knew of this movie. I remember that being part of this. Yeah, but I kind of like that they only get like an emotional arc to it. They don't get like. It's not tied off in a bow. Yeah. Some things can never be explained. I mean, I think that's good filmmaking. Like, if they yeah. had tied that up, it would have felt a little bit too neat. But also, I think it speaks to the complicated nature of 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 loss. Mm-hmm. Like, losses don't get fixed and they can't be prevented. And when you lose somebody, you think – what if this would have happened or what would their life be like or what would mm-hmm. our life be like? But you can think about that for like a moment of comfort. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you have to be able to move past that and heal and be able to reincorporate things into your life in a healthy way. Yeah, it's weird because that's what the movie is kind so of. So stop trying to prevent <laughs> people from being murdered. <laughs> well, well, the movie is saying like get past the what ifs, but it's also saying, but what if they didn't murder? What if they weren't going to murder these people? What if knowing that they were going to murder them stopped them from doing it? Yeah, and so it does tell us at one point. Ah, don't worry about the what ifs. Stop thinking about the what ifs. Life is determined. And another point, there are what ifs and you can control your life. Usually time travel movies really make a case for either determinism or like an open-ended parallel universe future. Mm-hmm. And this really uh, tries to make our, our minds stretch and ask us to believe in both in a way. Yeah. Which is very, very interesting. And I don't know of another time travel movie that does it. Well, technically this isn't a time travel movie. It feels like it is, though, because it's dealing with the ramifications of traveling through time to know something in, in the in the future. Yeah, yeah. So I, 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 I'd say but it'd be there's in no the DeLorean. <laughs> there's no phone booth. Yeah, it's not a time travel. Okay, movie. okay. They need, they, there's no backwards Lexus that travels to the future. I see what you're saying. <laughs> it just saying. travels down buildings. <laughs> well, we're gonna get into. I have some trivia for you, Rob. Okay. After this, and then there's a whole bunch of making of behind the scenes stuff uh, that is pretty, making uh, out. Uh, making of. Oh, okay. But in the in the break, there's gonna be some making out. We'll be back right after this. 
Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Welcome back to Rewatchability. We're talking about Minority Report. Yes. Steven Spielberg, Tom Cruise, the first time they were teamed up. There are other people in this movie. No. Samantha Morton. Yeah. She plays okay, Agatha. Right. She does play Agatha. And that's all I can think of. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's pretty thin. There was some alternate casting at one point uh, that actually I feel like would have made a better movie. But we'll, we'll talk about okay. that. The trivia questions I have. Philip K. Dick is the writer of the story, Minority Report. Yeah. He's written a lot of short stories. A lot of short stories. He's written a lot of novels. Yeah. He wasn't much respected while he was alive. Yeah. In his own time. This is like you're giving a Christopher Walken monologue. <laughs> Philip K. Dick. <laughs> he was alive. I'm just like reading off the cards, but they keep on cutting off on the end. <laughs> now he's not alive. Was he respected? I don't know. Let's dance. So Philip K. Dick, uh, a lot of adaptations have arisen from his work. How many... Feature film adaptations have come from his stories that aren't sequels to his story. Like if there was a Minority Report 2, don't count that. How many adaptations? That is too complicated. It's, I'm gonna it's s- just features. It's just the features These that have been made from These are the ones that his- I know. Okay. Total Recall. Yeah. From a Scanner Darkly. Blade Runner. Yeah. Uh, this one? Yeah, that's good. That's four. My second question is name five of them. So you're, you're almost there. There's 10. I'm going to tell you there's 10 movies. 10 Philip K. Dick adaptations. Yeah. Yeah, I got, I don't know. That's all I got. Okay. So, in, in, in order of when they were, they were produced is, uh, Blade Runner, Total Recall, Screamers. Remember that one? Screamers? Yeah, where the things traveled on the ground and then, like, sweet, and screamed up and, like, hit your head. Exploded. Oh, yeah. Do you remember that? Screamers. Screamers, man. Imposter with Gary Sinise. Minority Report. Paycheck. Paycheck. Yes, yeah. with Ben Affleck. With ben Affleck. A scanner darkly. Paycheck. We got to watch Paycheck oh, sometime. It's so brutal. It's I, so brutal. I love the story, though. I, I, re- I love reading the story. Um, well, and the star of Paycheck is not Batman. <laughs> no, no longer Batman. He's not Batman. Next. Next. Which With one was- Nicolas Cage. Okay. Then there's one called Radio Free Albumuta, which I have no idea. It's four stars on IMDb. And then The Adjustment Bureau, which stars the other half of the Ben Affleck and Matt Damon combo. Right. Yeah. Matt and Ben. They so- had to negotiate which dick they were going to take. <laughs> Genius. Um, okay, yeah, they did. Ben Affleck got the short, the short, short end, end of the of dick the there. Yeah, so they, there's all of them. I have no idea what some of those. Were. Like, uh, I never seen Imposter. Never even no. heard of Radio Free Albaluma or whatever no. it's called. But those are the kind of lesser knowns. He's he's had a lot of big big movies. Okay, so. but the thing is, is that they all seem to struggle with being able to realize his vision. 
you know, like Total Recall is totally different. Blade Runner. I'm gonna uh, this. I'm gonna say something that I'm gonna get yelled at on the internet for. I think it's because he's not a good writer. I think it's because his ideas were so great. You saying something bad about a writer? <laughs> um, like he started every sentence with presently and his writing seemed really hacky at at points and Mm -hmm. the ideas are so good and some of the turns in the stories are really good but i think just a straight adaptation doesn't work yeah for his stories Uh, also because a lot of them are short stories so trying to like make paycheck which is a short story into a feature film and keep the story intact which they tried to do and i think that's why it failed right i i like that this is so far from the story but uses the idea and and tries to be faithful to the you know science fiction behind it instead of the story yeah i think that's kind of fair Mm -hmm. i i know that philip k dick struggled like throughout his life and his writing with you know Substances, I think, and yeah, also well, Skinner Darkly seems like uh, the most personal one of his. Yeah, and there's like a bit of that in here too, because Tom Cruise's character is addicted to Neuroin. <laughs> Can't get enough of that Neuroin. <laughs> Cook me up a spoon of that Neuroin. <laughs> just, these are all the advertisements that could be happening. <laughs> John Anderton, how about some Neuroin? <laughs> Everybody neuro wins. Uh, so, there are neuro winners and neuro losers. So there's another famous author that helped out on this movie. Whoa! And that author is is responsible for the non-lethal device that they use in this movie called a six stick, where it touches you and you puke. And so that's how they incapacitate the people that they're arresting. It's because you can't do anything while you're puking. You can kind of just be a... Right. So, that's uh, interesting. So who who is that author? Uh, I have no clue. Canadian. I'm going to narrow it down. Oh, Canadian author. Yeah. Has to be Margaret Atwood. <laughs> uh, Maggie, good job. And, and another futurist for sure, but it wasn't Margaret Atwood. What? It was Douglas Copeland. Oh, yeah, that's right. I saw his name in the credits. His name is in the credits because they brought together a huge... Steven Spielberg and the, and the, and the producer... It was like a symposium, like a meeting a of minds. Yeah, it was It was a summit. They brought everyone together. There were so Douglas many Copeland, people. of course, for Americans, people who aren't Canadian, he invented the term Generation X. Yep. Yeah. You're welcome. Yeah. Girlfriend in a Coma was one of his great books. Yeah, and... it was an okay book. I really liked it. And then there, he did the, he just done a lot of art too. Yeah, like sort of like kitschy sort of art. Yeah, like like Andy Warhol art almost. Yeah, pop art. The Toy Soldiers and down Queens Key there. I like the Toy Soldiers. I like that one too, yeah. He did this great book about Canada and Canadian art. Oh, yeah. And I think it was made into a documentary too. I, you know, Douglas Copeland's like one of those persnickety Canadians who I kind of like. Sometimes this is a little bit annoying, but sure. I really I like him a lot just because he has these books that are about people and about it, it seems almost like a drama. But then there's these big ideas that come into them that are kind of futurist ideas, and and I I like that about him. Yeah, but he's always trying to coin the next generation X. <laughs> yeah, well, he had generation what Y or generation Z, something like that. Yeah, J Pod about, about the <laughs> J Pod. Yeah. He's just There's always about bees. He's like, can... I'll tell you what's happening. I'll define the moment for you. That's yeah, like you. You already had your moment. You defined yeah. it. You, you know, did yeah. it once by accident. Yeah, exactly. You know, you got lucky. 
Not that your writing isn't good, but you got lucky to define like a moment. Exactly. You're not writing the, diction- the next dictionary here. So all these people in the symposium were really cool. The Lexus in it was designed by a Lexus designer, um, Harold, Harold Belker, who designed the car. And that's really cool that they had like a they made a concept car for this movie it's to advertise their product in this movie i know it's just i don't know it was it was cool to me douglas copeland was of course in the room wired founder kevin kelly was in the room and then a bunch of mit profs some people from darpa were there it was it was kind of a crazy thing that everyone kind of came together to do this they're like we have the greatest minds alive right now from the fields of science technology <laughs> futurism yeah. we've a all these people here for the great purpose of making a movie with Tom Cruise? No, making Tom Cruise look cool. Uh, he does look cool in this movie. <laughs> Although he's always wearing sleeveless shirts. And I don't think that's the future of fashion. I really don't. <laughs> but in- Couldn't they have been solving like a real problem though or – well, I think some people would have us believe that this movie did solve problems. That the the thought about the future in this movie influenced user interface design. There's an article online about it. Looked at pattern matching algorithms and how mm-hmm. we could use them, mm-hmm. which are being used for crime right now in major cities. And so it's it feels like maybe some of this thought that went into this room. Like, Became pop culture, right. but then out of that became something else, and and Ashley was enacted for sure. And we should also say that this movie was reacting to a moment in history because it came out post nine eleven, yeah, and very much like the surveillance state had started to ramp up again, and people's freedoms and protections and privacy were sort of seen more as secondary to the safety of the nation and killing right. all the terrorists. Yeah, and people with blue gloves blue touching gloves. you up yeah. at the airport. Yeah. And, you know, like, despite inoculating us against this virus of surveillance state technology, it's kind of just gotten worse. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. now we live, I mean, the Panopticon is really here. Like, now we, like... Pay attention to, like, what people have said online to make sure that they haven't said, like, a bad thing, like, 20 years ago. Oh, man, yeah. You know, and then we have to, like, police them. And and they have to, like, direct Suicide Squad 2 and stuff. Yeah. I know. Exactly. It's It's a real – it's causing real harm. (laughs) I don't know. Maybe it'll be DC's best movie, but probably not. (laughs) Instead of, like, helping us with our fear, it just – it didn't. It didn't, and our fear kind of won out as a society. But the difference is that in this movie, the government is still enforcing these things. Mm-hmm. In our society, it's more like self-regulated and enforced. Though I'm thinking about – you mentioned it before – China, mm-hmm. where there is a lot more social pressure, more acceptability on keeping tabs on your neighbors and whether or not they have enough social credit points or whatever. Yeah, to- well, they, they have that system – where if people are in debt to the government, you can point them out and it'll say ar- around you where they are around you. Like by that's their fucked. Phone. Yeah. It's, and, that's, and that stuff is like not the future I don't think anyone wants to live in. It's so this just movie, people have no choice there. Yeah. I mean this movie puts it on worst case scenario to be like they could frame you for murder or something like that. Mm-hmm. But there's small, less – Death by a thousand cuts. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. You know, where they can really like impact people's lives. 
It's terrible. Yeah, it's it's pretty frightening. Do you have more trivia questions? I, I do. I, I just wanted to go back to the other because Douglas Copen came up with a lot of stuff other than the six dick uh, <laughs> that they didn't use in this movie, which are pretty funny. He wrote a whole book called The World in 2085 because that's when he thought they were going to do it in the future. But then it turned out to be Actually, 2054. Douglas moving it to 2054. And he like just burned the book. He's like, fuck you, Spielberg. In his book, there was domesticated zebras. Okay. Uh, there was an eye wash that changes your eye color. And I think they kind of like used that for the eye thing a little bit. They grew hexagonal bamboo that was like more supportive than regular bamboo that had like a bigger structure. Okay. There's two really weird ones. One was bootleg trafficking of 90s, 1990s ceiling tiles. Like that would be like a thing that people would want in the future. Oh, yeah. Okay. Because they have cigarette stains in them. I don't know. Do you remember? Do you remember? (laughs) would want that. Remember that period a few years ago where people were like really into that like tin like ceiling stuff oh yeah yeah you know in your cafe or bar or whatever For sure it's totally what it is oh true yeah yeah i buy that douglas copen's a fucking genius <laughs> and the other one was the genetic manipulation of swans to make their necks shorter so that we wouldn't feel as bad killing them for food <laughs> that was his and that's the weirdest one to me i was like the whole the whole purpose of swans being swans is they have long necks that's why they're in parks, because we like to see a difference between them and ducks. And then, like, also, why would having a shorter neck mean that we wouldn't want to – it's just – there's – I don't know where the thinking – Douglas Copeland, defend yourself. On Twitter, I want to know why you thought that. I want to know what happened between now and 2085 where the food chain has been so fucked up that we're eating swans. <laughs> Stop looking at me, Swan. And then <laughs> Chickens just are so 2019. <laughs> Give me one of them short neck swans. <laughs> Can't we just make more chickens? No, but we can shrink the necks of the swans. Seems like we're going out of our way for it. But uh, really... could we make long neck chickens? No, that's an abomination. <laughs> Maybe that's what happened. All the chickens got long necks, and then we felt too bad to kill them. <laughs> I can't ring that. Oh God, it's just too many opportunities. I feel like I'm just taking advantage now. I can't ring that. <laughs> My last trivia question for you is Minority Report. When it was first adapted, a long time ago, to a movie, it was as a sequel to another movie. And what movie was that? The Godfather. <laughs> You're totally right. It's very, it took very far in the if, future. If we could have had that, we might have been spared Sofia Coppola. It would have been great. Uh, <laughs> no, no, I like her movies. No, not that. No, it's Total Recall. It's Total Recall. They had it whole, all set on Mars. Yeah. That would have been an interesting sequel to Total Recall. Yeah, kind of. I, I feel like Total Recall doesn't need a sequel. It yeah. already feels like a sequel to itself because of the recall. That's true. Right? That's true. So, But I thought that was interesting. Like it's Speed, interesting. Like Speed was like almost, you know, Die Hard 2. This was almost Total Recall 2. That's, yeah. That's cool. All right. There is some alternate casting in this movie. They almost did this movie in the, in the 90s. Uh, Steven Spielberg had it all planned out. They cast. They had the script. They had everything come together. And then uh, Stanley Kubrick died. Right, and he wanted Stanley Kubrick to play John Anderton. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> just, I know you're more of a director, Stanley, but I really think you got it for this one. Try running. <laughs> just a portly, bearded John Anderton. 
I'd rather just die, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> so he got out of it, and no, he was directing AI at the time, and right. Steven Spielberg famously, we, we, we covered that in our AI podcast. I wasn't on that one. Oh. Didn't you precog that? I, did, I didn't or even post that. that. So he went and directed that as his kind of like passion project. Right, and he so put he this could on hold. finish Stanley Kubrick's work. But the, the casting well, it was pretty cool, and I think would have made a, a good movie, Kate Blanchett. Was Agatha? Wow. Uh, Matt Damon was Whitwer of the Adjustment Bureau fame. Of, of Adjustment Bureau fame, he wanted to be in a Philip K. Dick adaptation so bad. Ian McKellen was was the evil old dude. Yeah, that would have been great. Yeah, because you don't expect Ian McKellen to be bad. Well, I do. He's Magneto. He's Magneto, but he's also Gandalf. Oh, yeah. So. <laughs> I'm a bigger X-Men fan than I was Lord of the Rings. So now we can't watch any of those X-Men movies anymore. Yeah. Yeah. Singer. And the wife, which is just her character is wife. In this. I believe her name was wife, wifey G wife. <laughs> yeah, wife number one. It was, she was 70th on the call sheet. There's not a lot of character to her. That character suffers from like 90s-itis where yeah. it's just they have to have a woman in the movie. It's awful. Jenna Elfman was going to play that role. Which, what? Which that that could have launched a different career for her, to be fair. What? Because she doesn't do much. She was in what can't hardly wait as like a, a dramatic character. But like, yeah, I mean, I love her part in can't hardly wait. We've <laughs> talked about this a yeah. long time ago. She's great in can't uh, hardly maybe. wait. Yeah, that's everything I can say about her. <laughs> well, she was she was Dharma from Dharma and Greg fame. So I she, she was, was Greg. <laughs> See, you should have done your your research on this one, man. No, she wasn't in fact Dharma. But of course, from the initiative, you know, she is a Scientologist. Maybe that's why she got. Oh, you know, she was positioned in there. Maybe it was like, uh, yeah, you know. Okay, so. I see that. I think she would have been good. I think she would have been all right because I I liked I liked what I've seen of her serious acting, but she stopped acting, and Did I don't. She? Well, she's just not in much, or Hollywood stopped putting her in things. Yeah, I don't know. I've never seen her in a serious role. I mean, I'm sure she could have done something with it. John Anderton could have had like a very hippie wife who just is a complete opposite <laughs> of him. And he has to deal with all her shenanigans. Yeah, and she's just like being snarky about their son dying. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Get over it. It was like four weeks ago. <laughs> Here, have this crystal. Just put this crystal in under your pillow. It'll be fine. Right. Yeah, that could have happened. We could have had that. So most of that alternate casting would have worked out. So... What did you think about uh, this movie upon rewatching it, Rob? I mean, I thought it was rewatchable. I think there's a lot of really interesting stuff in it. It doesn't feel like it critiques the future that it's sort of presenting in the most effective way. The big problem with the pre-crime doesn't seem to be that all of our rights will be taken away. It's mostly just that it has the power to be abused. Yeah. You know, they don't really make a convincing argument that maybe we should stop all the murders by (laughs) implementing this. Yeah, or by, like, ground-up social change, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, maybe if there wasn't the sprawl that, like, everyone is poor, they just put them there, then maybe you'd have less murders. Okay, now now you're talking crazy. (laughs) 
What do you want to do? Fund social services or something? Yeah, and maybe do some like healthcare and I don't know, pilot programs, education, universal basic income. I don't know. Like maybe there's ways to. Get okay, now you're talking on. about dystopia. <laughs> what everyone with the means to get what they want in yes. life? Yes, uh, that's just the American dream. That's not real. Oh, God then who it. will we put in our standing up prisons? Run by Tim Blake Nelson. Right. Who can we literally look down on and walk over? <laughs> like, no one? I don't want that future. Yeah. Uh, so did you think it was rewatchable? Did you think that, like, this is a movie you'll rewatch again? I could watch it again. I think w- once the f- a little bit more future happens, I'll need to, you know, compare and contrast. Be like, okay, yeah. Steve Spielberg kind of had something to say about that. And yeah. now that's a big problem. <laughs> so right. we should have been listening to him all along. Those pesky plants that keep on pulling you in as pesky you walk plants. by them? Yeah. yeah. That future, that sucks. I mean, he was wrong about the dinosaur problem, <laughs> right. but he seems right. to have gotten this plant. Wrong so far. Yeah. Trying That's to bring that point. mammoth back. Good point. Yeah. Did you think it's rewatchable? This was one of your favorite movies. You still, precogged that you would love this movie and not have pre-cogged. any criticism against it. You're totally using it wrong. Every time, precogged it. <laughs> <laughs> I love this movie, and you know what? I still do. I think this movie is really well-written. I think it's really well-directed. The action flows so well. It's a movie that entertains and brings up some philosophical uh, questions and quandaries. And like I said, discovering that it asks you to hold two things in your mind at the same time is really cool in this movie. It doesn't give easy answers. Right. Like you have to have like like your opinion, Mm -hmm. and then you have to have the – Minority Report. Oh, I see what you did there. Yeah. I mean, thematically, it is the fact that this future is really white and it, it's it gone off the rails. It's not a good future. This no. is a dystopia. So by listening to a Minority Report, it is helping the system and making the system a better place. And so maybe we did that a little more often. But uh, they don't Our really... system could be. They don't show much about how it's a dystopia. Like, we don't see, like, people who are going to jail wrongly. We don't see people who are being necessarily oppressed by the system. We're not seeing the people who are caught under the heels of this thing because the people are going to commit murder, you know? Right. It's kind of like just the fugitive set in the future. It's kind of just the fugitive set in the future. Right. We don't look at the fugitive and go, our justice system is broken. Yeah. Like we go, oh, that was a cool story. Yeah. They have this great technology that stops murder in D.C. (laughs) That's like murder town. Yeah. And then they're like, well, one guy killed himself, so... (laughs) Yeah. There was one guy who used it incorrectly. So let's scrap the whole system. Baby, precog with the bathwater. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think like he could have it could have showed more of that. It could have like Definitely. been more specific about how like this future is actually bad. But I think that it's a a platform for other people to talk about it. Like us, like the uh, the like myriad of articles that are out there talking about what it got right and what it got wrong. This mm-hmm. is one of the most faithful to the future movies that has ever been made that they got it close to right we haven't made it to 2054 yet but things that they weren't using in the present of 2002 they are using now already so i'd say it's rewatchable wow 
pretty watchable. Pre-watchable. <laughs> if you're precog. <laughs> so that's it for rewatchability. I it- want to mention before we leave that they were going to use the title Minority Port for Larry Wilmer's talk show at one point. That's great. They should have. <laughs> but apparently Fox asked them not to because... they had the TV show? Yeah, that's yeah. right. There is a TV show of Minority Report as well. I don't want to... I saw the first episode and I was like, nope. <laughs> and I think everyone else was too because I don't think he got a second season. I precogged that. Yeah. <laughs> and if you're a precog at home listening to this, then you know what we're going to say next. Thank you so much for listening to Rewatchability this week. I was going to say hamburger. <laughs> <laughs> for all the true psychics out there, you knew that one. Thank you so much for listening yeah. and for supporting us on Patreon, for telling your friends about us, and, and just for, for listening, for being a, a listener and supporting us that way. Yeah. And if you want to talk to us, you can go to Facebook. You can go to Twitter. Rewatchability is our handle on everything. And if you want to buy a cool T-shirt that JM drew, you can go to TeePublic and get the T-shirt there. Or have you already? <laughs> they haven't. <laughs> they have not. <laughs> Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.